wait for Paulie again. Let's just try again. Let's try again, Paulie. Let's try, Let's try again. It's better. Yay, that's better, that's better. All right. That's cool. good. How you getting on the champ, all right? Yeah, man. Bored. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mate, you're not the only one. Look, look, look at the chubby champions. Everybody's got the, the training camp beard going on. <laughs> it's not the truth. Mate, I have to grow one back because I look like I'm storing food like a hamster. <laughs> but yeah, all good. But how are you, though? You everything good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. Just uh, chilling out, watching a lot of movies. Oh, you know, and... I've just I've just been yeah. watching the uh, the um, the Narcos. Narcos, you know. What? I've never <laughs> watched it before. I've never watched it. I've never watched I'm it. You know what I started watching? I started watching every single 007 James Bond. <laughs> oh, oh, the P I like the Pierce Brosnan ones at the beginning. Yeah, I'm I'm not up to the Pierce Brosnan ones yet. I got through Sean Connery. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm in the Roger Moore era right now. I, oh. I just watched. I'm in the I'm in the eighties right now, so I'm up to Pierce Brosnan will come in the nineties. People are just going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're good, they keep you busy. I watch one I watch one a day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I wanted to get you on here because obviously you you're like an intriguing you you know, obviously I've been a fan of yours from, from way back, right? Before like mm -hmm. even when, when you was coming up and like you was you had a good start. But like I'm a, I'm a character myself. Yeah, oh, that's that's why, that's why, like, and you, you've always, yeah, no, but, no, but you've been, you've been, you've been very, very, like, um, I remember one time when you called Lewis Ortiz, like, AIDS, no, nobody was, <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was in, uh, that was in back the, when nobody wanted to, nobody, back when nobody wanted to fight him, I said, I said that in the, remember, in the, uh, the, the showtime room, in, in the media room, there was like, what, what do you think to Luis Ortiz? And I think, yeah, he's like, he's. What do you compare him to? Like, can fight. So I can't compare him to a fighter, but I compare him to AIDS. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. Yeah, I remember you falling apart, laughing. At, <laughs> and, uh, dead, oh, oh god, it's funny. Stuff. That was a couple of years back. Yeah. So, so Paulie, like, when, when I want to know, like, from uh, obviously you can tell, like, every, every, speak for so everybody knows that like, are joining in. What made you get into boxing? Uh... I got into boxing, you know, you have, I have your quintessential stereotypical story. I needed uh, something to do with myself. Um, yeah. I come from uh, an immigrant Sicilian family. Yeah. Uh, I'm the first person in my family born in the U.S., actually. Yeah. And uh, uh, they, uh, they're, they have, you know, they're uh, very hard workers and they, they don't take any, they, they give you a lot of slack for, for, for being lazy and, and, you know, not doing something with yourself, you know. Yeah. I was uh I was not a very focused kid, you know, I was very distracted. Maybe I had some little family issues when my mother got remarried, you know, yeah. for a time. Maybe that was part of the problem. But, you know, I wasn't really doing what I was supposed to do, you know. And so uh, when I got kicked out of school, my grandfather, who I was living with at the time, my grandparents, um, he decided that uh, maybe it was best to um, try boxing. Yeah. Uh, my, my uncles had boxed for a little bit, uh, not competitively, but he had been done, done for like a year training and whatnot. And he said he thought it would be something good to just keep me uh, in the gym and, and keep me away from, uh, you know, bad associations. Because uh, once I was not in school, I got kicked out. I was going to find myself a lot more in the street, you know. So so that was just basically the, the long and the short of it. And then um, 
And then uh, once that happened, you know, I, I started loving boxing. You know, it gave me a, it was the first, it was actually the, really the first thing that I, and the only thing I've really, uh, at that time that I really focused, ever focused on. I don't think my family thought I was going to box because I never focused on anything. I would go to school and not do my work. I would get a, maybe get a little job and get myself fired right away because I could make money, you know, with my friends doing other bad stuff, you know? So I never really cared for much, you know, at the time. So, so once I started boxing, I don't think they thought I was going to be a fighter because they thought, you know, it would just be something to distract me. It would positively. fizzle out. It would fizzle out. Yeah, but they didn't think I had the discipline to be a fighter. But in the meantime, all they wanted to do was just keep me away from bad things by yeah. uh, by putting me in boxing. And yeah. they kind of got more than they bargained for in, in a good way, you know, because it did keep me out of bad things. Uh, I wound up liking it so much that I committed to it. And also when I committed to it, I wound up, you know, having a reason not to want to get in trouble. You know, uh, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to, uh, you know, be good so that I wouldn't have to miss time in the gym, you know. So it yeah. worked out. It worked out. So, cause I, want, I, want, cause I, I know about it. Like, but in, in your early days when you were just starting out, because I was, I was watching you before, like, you was getting on the race. I was obsessed with boxing. When you mm -hmm. went at the start, you was dubbed as, like, the next real, the next big thing. You really was. You was being touted all over, like, all coming all like this kid, oh, this kid from uh, this Italian-American, Italian New Yorker. Mm -hmm. He's going to be great. And at the start, you was getting knockouts, but... You had bad hands, didn't you? You always, you've always yeah. suffered badly with bad hands, and that's what people just tell tell people like about about the situation with your hands. One, well, one thing I learned when I turned professional is I never had hand problems as an amateur. Um, and yeah. I, I was a very good amateur. I only had a three-year amateur career, but by the time I ended my amateur career, I had won my, I would won my na a national title. Of I was U.S. champion. Yeah. I was on the USA team. I was uh, ranked number one in the country. I had won many, many amateur tournaments in the three years I fought and competed. So I was kind of like a prodigy because I, I didn't do it for a long time, but I was uh, basically becoming the best at it in my weight class and yeah. uh, in, in the amateurs and in the, in the nation. So I, I was, I came out pretty touted in the, uh, when I turned pro uh, the year after the 2000 Olympics, I turned pro in 2001 and uh, I learned something in professional boxing. You learn a lot of things in professional boxing, obviously. One thing I learned is you're now not hitting a headgear. No. You're hitting a skull. So your, your gloves, while they do protect you, nonetheless, it's better than bare knuckles. The bare knuckles, you get no protection. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, we'll talk Love. about that at the end, yeah. I had very I – mean, you see my hands. This is my left hand, which I didn't break. It's, this is what my right hand used to look like. Now my right hand looks like it's all demented. But my left hand used to look – my right hand used to look like this. It's very thin. You see, I have sort of like piano hands, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they're not made to really punch. I'm, I'm sort of jealous of the guys that have looked like they have these bare paws, you know, these thick, thick hands. They never break, you know? So when I'm starting to, when I'm fighting, turning professional, I, I got a few knockouts early in my professional career, but bashing my fists on top of a skull and, and over and over, even on a face, a face is still bones, you it's know, so like, natural. it's so natural. It's not natural. And so it's bone to bone. You know, you can do the best you can with wrapping and gloves, but nonetheless, at the end of the day, I had a, a bad hands and sort of, they sort of started giving me more and more problems. And once you start to have those problems, you you have to continue your career. It's not like you're going to retire. So yeah. the problems become the problems become chronic. I do think I was always I always had the ability to be a good boxer. It just forced me to be more of a thinking fighter. And honestly, I think in the end of the day, sort of took my 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 path in a different direction because because uh, maybe I didn't get the most out of what I could have got. You had to adjust. You had to adjust your style, didn't you, Yeah, I had to adjust my style because of the injuries, but. I do think that it made me more knowledgeable about my boxing because I now I had to be more of a thinker. And I think that becoming more of a thinker, thank you, thanks to some good trainers too, um, I think in the end it led to me being a, a good commentator, you know, and I'm being able to be, get into my broadcasting career because 
because I, I had to make sure I thought the process out fully every time I trained and every time I fought. I think I think I speak for every what well, I I would speak for a lot of people um, in the boxing world when they say you and Andre Ward for me are the best are the best commentators in world boxing by a mile not just by by a mile like that like, really Andre I think Matt Mack was pretty good too I think there's you know I I I don't I don't have really have a favorite but I I I do like to see when fighters are able to kind of uh. Uh, give that really perspective and, yeah. and be able to verbalize it in a, in a great way, be able to verbalize it in a way where people can really enjoy it. I, I do love that. Yeah, definitely. So next up, Paulie, I want to speak about the, uh, the other thing because there's a guy coming to tell me to speak in Italian. I'm going to speak in Italian quick. Si, parlo italiano. Al certo che lo parlo. Vi saluto a tutti in Italia, va bene? Okay, go ahead. Get that, like, multi dimension You have to start working for the zone in the Italy one. The zone's kicked off in Italy. So, no, but Paulie, like, a lot of box in in boxing today. Some, a lot of the prospects they get awarded mm -hmm. when they have their first world title fights. They they get they don't get it. I wouldn't say easy, but they get it a lot easier than some. Yeah, would you? you, know, <laughs> you know, your first world title fight was against Miguel was against Miguel Cotter, and I remember watching that fight live. And in that fight, you you suffered um you you was, was it your your orbital bone your orbital yeah. bone orbital bone yeah your orbital bone yeah but in that fight. Yeah. You wobbled Miguel Cotter. I don't know what round it was. Was it round four or round five? I don't know. You, yeah, you... at a certain point in the fight, uh, uh, you know, we, we went at it. We went at it pretty good. You it know, was a great was fight. Like, I, was, I was refusing to will, but man, he's a, he's a, he's a, a terrific fighter. Terrific fighter and, and a very strong puncher, especially at light welcome. Would you say he was your, was you, your hardest night? In a, like, um, best fight you fought? I'll tell you what, stylistically, he was not the nightmare, he, but he was the best, most complete fighter I ever fought. Stylistically, uh, my nightmare was probably Amir Khan, you know, because he was just quick, like I'm quick, but he's quicker and then tall, just stylistically. But Khan is not as complete as Kodo. Kodo is the most complete fighter I ever fought. But some of my strengths played into some of his weaknesses, so it was, I was able to make a fight out of it. Because beat my speed to his was jab, beat into his jab, yeah. beat into his jab, well, yeah, yeah. But he was the most complete fighter, the, the most intelligent. He knew how to set the best traps. He knew how to be the most balanced. He knew how to punch the hardest. Yeah. He, he was the best fighter I fought. But stylistically, Khan was probably more of a nightmare for me stylistically, but I do say Khan was, didn't have as many dimensions as Miguel. Miguel had the most dimensions for a fighter I ever fought in my career. Okay. So like just 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 skipping it a little bit, your your first world title was Love Morendo, wasn't it? Love more mm. Love Morendo. You won the IBF. You won the IBF world title battle against him, didn't you? That was it. Yeah, you won the IBF title against Love Morendo. Rest in peace to Eddie Cotton, who actually uh, refereed that fight when yeah. I won the world title. And I just heard Eddie Cotton, the referee, uh, he passed away from coronavirus, COVID nineteen. So, uh, rest in peace. Out my my uh, my condolences to him and his family. Really to his family. Uh, he was uh he he played a. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's part of a big memory in my life. You're, part you're of your first, history. Your first World Title fight is always there. It's a very big memory in your life. And and uh, uh, Eddie played a big, you know, is, is part of that memory forever. When I think of that memory, I think of Eddie as well. And so, uh, you know, it, it kinda, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a mourning process, for, I think, for everybody in boxing that a, a guy like Eddie has passed away. Yeah, it's, it just highlights how serious, it, how serious all this is as well. Yeah. But, but I tell you what, like... He's, what what can you do? And I've heard just quickly. I've heard that Donald Trump's uh, allowing in Florida the beaches to reopen again. Is that is that right? I don't think he has the the. I don't think uh, he has the authority to open or close beaches. Uh, I think statewide uh, governors will decide things like that. You know, um, I think 
he can say you can open the beaches, but then the governor of each particular state will have, have to mandate. Uprising. Okay. I'll tell you, the governor of Florida, I, I got here March 9th. The governor of Florida was criticized for leaving the beaches open. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. March 9th, I got here. March 11th, I went to the beach. March 12th, the beach was already closed. So I don't know what this guy was getting criticism about because by March 12th, they closed the beaches down here already. So the beaches have been closed. Um, and they've been doing as best of a job as they can. It's just a hard situation for anybody to handle worldwide. Yeah, very. It's, it's, it's hard, like, especially like, I mean, to be told, like, you've got to stay on this foot. Everybody's learning on the job. You know, yeah. even when I got to Florida, I really didn't think it was that bad. You know, I was going to the beach myself. You know, like, I was like, I'm getting out of New York. In New York, it's bad. But in Florida, we're good. I'm just yeah. going to go there, and I'm going to go to the beach, and I'm going to hang out. It's and the then same. in a couple of days, they shut everything down. So, so I mean, you know, you learn, you learn, you kind of learn as you go through it, you know? It's the same, it's the same with me. Like, at the beginning, I was just like, it's just the, it'll pass, it's gone. But look, it's, it's a worldwide yeah. pandemic. It's that's what these things do, you know? Yeah. Usually, you know, it's, it's that's what's made it very confusing, what's made it very scary. And, you know, there's obviously a million conspiracy theories as well. Okay. Right, let's let's go into let's go into it because I'm gonna I'm gonna speak about this fight. Um, let's speak about Senchenko first because that was my that was my believe it or not that was my favorite performance from yours because again you stopped mm -hmm. him and you went to Ukraine. You said, nobody thought you was gonna win. You went to mm -hmm. Ukraine. I remember watching that fight on Box Nation. Frank Warren had a channel called Box Nation that I think still going now. But like he had, a, uh, I remember getting up and I watched that fight. That for me was your best best performance only because. Everyone thought you were going to win. Everyone's always oh, too old, and you went in there and you stopped. You smashed his face in as well, like you really did. Mm -hmm. Take it to him and stop him, and you beat him basically with your lead hand again. You just beat him with yeah. a jab constantly, and and yeah. ultimately the, the that was that is that was that was like he submitted in the end. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a performance that I was kind of uh, really angry to have to go to Ukraine, but American TV was not buying me anymore. Um, they kind of were tired of me. The, I was always very frustrated with uh, the the way I was. I was marketed in the United States as an American fighter, and even as an Italian-American fighter. I was always very frustrated because I felt in my prime I was the most marketable fighter in boxing. I speak three languages. I'm better looking than most fighters. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can speak on a microphone and without, without stuttering all my words. My teeth are straight, so I look good in pictures. Um, and, and so on and so forth. And, and also, I, I wasn't just like a run-of-the-mill guy. I, I had a very good amateur career where I was a national champion. So it's not like I, you didn't see me coming, you know? Yeah. And, yet, and, and yet, nonetheless, nobody actually took it upon themselves to take this guy and, and market him. Instead, they made me an opponent for all their other stars. So I had to kind of go through it the hard way, you know? Yeah. I had to go I had to go to fight Cotto. I had to I had to fight Cotto on the eve of the Puerto Rican Day Parade. I had to go to Houston, Texas to fight Juan Diaz in his hometown. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. But the Senchenko fight was just part of this whole process where now I had to go to Ukraine and fight Senchenko for the world title because I couldn't get him to come to the United States and uh, when American TV wasn't going to offer enough money for it because they, they didn't care if Foley Malinaji won a world title or not, you know? Yeah. Um, I, will, I will always think that I, in my prime, I was one of the more marketable fighters in boxing, but I just never got treated as such, which is why I kind of get, 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 get aggravated about the whole thing about white guys and, and, and they want white guys to become champions they don't want shit they just they they're, they're, they have a marketing thing and whatever there it is they want i still haven't figured it out but i tell you what it's not, being white gets you nothing in this business because it is you don't get something because you're white you might get something because you sell tickets you might get something because you do some other thing but just being white didn't help me at all you know so so i was always the opponent i had to kind of go about it the hard way and um and uh the Sanchenko fight was sort of my uh, the situation where i was aggravated about it i had to go there and i kind of took out my frustrations on Sanchenko. i thought i was gonna get robbed so I actually approached it in a non-pressure situation. 
Yeah. I approached him like, you know what? They're going to rob me, but I'm going to beat this guy's ass. And because yeah. I was able, I, because I took that approach, I think it brought out the best in me because really, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, I just relaxed and just went there and did the job. Was that like, was that like your kind of fuck you a little bit poorly when you won that fight? Like when you, when you won that fight, you're like, yeah, fuck you. Everything was against me. I wasn't supposed to win this fight. Boom. I've won the title back. You brought it back to America. And then you fought, was it pa Pablo Cesar Cano? Yeah. Pablo Cesar Cano. That, that was a tough fight. That was a tough fight. Yeah, yeah. That got... guy too. That was like another good puncher. I fought some, I fought some pretty good punches in my career, man. I mean, it's, but you've never it's had it. You've never had it. And that's what people don't really, that's what people know. Like, again, I've watched your career from, the, from really Cano ended up knocking out Jorge Linares after that. Cano is actually a better fighter than, than he gets credit for. He yeah. just is motivated. He shows up. He doesn't make weight. He shows up. He can't stay in one weight class. He kind of yeah. goes up and down. But Cano actually was a, a very disciplined. And for the fight with me, I mean, he was uh, he was really up for it because it was a world championship fight. So he was. Bam, really yeah, that, that's his biggest night. That's his biggest night. Connor would come around on another night and show up completely out of shape and lose to somebody he was supposed to beat. So Connor was always up and down. But then I remember he he wound up knocking out Jorge Linares in one round. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm so I know who I very well as well. I was like, I was shocked. I, I remember me and my best friend were actually looking for the odds on the fight because we were dying to bet Connor because we knew Linares doesn't have a good chin. And uh, we were like, yo, like, we got to find – and nobody was taking odds on this fight because the odds were so high in favor of Linares. It was like the bookie didn't want didn't to give odds. Meantime, it, it, we were looking for somewhere we could bet on Kano. <laughs> I, guess it was, I guess it was better for the bookies that they didn't have the, the odds up. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, but... we wouldn't have and then, and then moving on, you, that, this fight against uh, Adrian Broner. Now, that was the best build-up to a fight I've seen in years. If people haven't seen that fight, please go onto YouTube and watch those fucking press conferences. They really the dropped the ball on me and Adrian because they should have made a trilogy with me and Adrian. Because I tell you, I thought I won the first fight. I, I really think I would have won the second fight if they would have done it. And we would have had a trilogy. But we wouldn't have had just any trilogy. Me and AB would have had the trilogy... One of the we, me and AB would have had a trilogy that is like talked about in boxing history. I'm telling you, me and AB would have been like Zale Graziano. If you like would have won that fight. fight, I'm not kidding. Me and AB, each and every. Can you imagine three promotions with me and AB and the I, the trash talking that would have happened, and then the fights all competitive? Like, me, I am, I am. It is probably one of the bigger disappointments of my career that we didn't get. We, they, they didn't give me that rematch, and they took them in another direction. And then it, it all just fizzled out because we kind would have of, had a trilogy. kind of exposed, not exposed him because Adrian Brenner is a, is a great fighter. He is a great I fighter. I think Adrian was always a good fighter. You know where, where the problem with the overrating thing comes in is because they thought he was Mayweather. And there's only one Mayweather. But just because you're not Mayweather doesn't mean you can't be world class. Yeah. And just because AB's not Mayweather doesn't mean he's not a great fighter. You know what I mean? And that's the Once you put the comparison to Mayweather in there, you're always going to be disappointed. So people are always disappointed in AB's talent. But in reality, yeah. If you look at AB and you eliminate the whole Mayweather comparison and you look at AB just as a fighter, it's a very good fighter, you know? And, and obviously he's shown that and proven that. But, I, but he's also a big personality. So me and AB with the promotion, he's a talker, I'm a talker. I mean, it would have been... I remember you telling him... I don't know how they made that... I don't know how they let that slide. I do not know how they didn't... They, they let that just... They let that ship sail. I, I still can't figure how stupid... This is what I'm saying. This is what I mean about you can be smart. You can be a businessman. You can be uh, well-schooled, all this shit. And, <laughs> and, and it was right. The writing was on the wall. Wow. These guys were made for each other. Yeah. Me and AB were made for each other. Me and AB were made to fight each other. Me and AB were made to trash talk each other. It was it, – it, I didn't think I could have that much fun through a promotion at that age anymore. Like I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 he 
made me feel like a kid again. You know what I mean? He was like, man, this guy gets under my skin, but man, this is great. You know? The 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 the, the story was behind it was that Adrian Broner was seeing a girl that you had had a pre previous yeah, we had a with. with this chick. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and encounter with. You know, this was a little bit of a weird chick. You know, you get your weird chicks and you get your normal Jessica, chicks. You know? Jessica. Yeah, yeah, Jessica was her name. And so you get your weird chicks and you get your normal chicks, you know? I Unfortunately, from, I mean, I'm not saying unfortunately. Like, I'm, I'm going to say, like, it's funny because I've been watching the James Bond movies. I, I've been sort of like a James Bond, man. I've never really been a one-woman kind of guy, you know? And I'm trying to work on that because I really don't think it's good to do as you get approaching 40 years old. So I never really was the kind of guy that, like, said, like, okay, you're my girlfriend. Like, I was always the kind of guy that, like, you know, we, I made a lot of friends, and like when I would see you, we'd hang out and I'd show you a good time. But then I'd go about my way, and you'd go your way, and that's it. Because I'm out of town a lot, I work a lot, I <laughs> I fly around a lot, so I never really took the time to make a particular girl my girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's kind of like one of these chicks that you know I met her out in the club, and it was fun. But then she got kind of weird. So it like was a, I had it was, a, it was a smashing, smashing grab kind no, of thing. No, it wasn't like one night stand, you know. But it was. It also wasn't like a chick that I was talking to every day, like like your girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like that either. You know, it was, it was like, when, it was when you were in that state. When you were in that state, that, yeah, was, when that was, was the phone call. Because it, it, because if, if you will remember, I was actually living in Los Angeles at the time anyway. So she was yeah. in New York. So I, I was living in LA. It wasn't like I was with her, you know. So. So when I would go back home, yeah, she was a chick that I knew, but I knew a lot of chicks in New York. So it wasn't even necessarily that I'd always see her. I probably hung out with her like a handful of times. But whatever it was, she ended up making like she was pregnant one time. And I'll be honest with you, it did scare me because the only time in my life that a condom broke on me was with this girl. You know, it, 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 it never broke on me. So when it happened, I did get kind of paranoid. And then, like, she was kind of weird, so I kind of, like kind of like ignored her, deaded her. Yeah. I never, again, if you're not dating somebody, you don't break up with them. You just kind of like stop talking to them. You know, you phase, you phase them out, I call it. I call it phasing you out, you know? <laughs> yeah, because if you're a girlfriend, okay, you know, you, don't, you, you have to have a conversation, you got to break up. But if you're not a girlfriend, you kind of just get phased out. So, shit, sometimes I get phased out. I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> phase me out. You know what I mean? Like, that would happen. Oh, but, but nonetheless, it was, I kind of tried to phase her out, and then all of a sudden she starts popping back up and sending me messages, you're fucked up, you're ignoring me. This yeah. she started making like she was pregnant. So once she made like she was pregnant, I'm living in Los Angeles, bro. Like, I, I, what do I, I have a pregnant chick in New York, and I'm in Los Angeles? Like, I, that's a problem, you know? Like, so it took me a couple of months to realize she wasn't pregnant, but she was just kind of stringing her along, you know? Kind of, yeah, those, those yeah. type of girls you'd know. Keep, yeah, keep, and, then after that, and then after that, like, I just kind of deaded it again. Like, that was it, you know? Like, once you're not pregnant, I, you know, you're going back to where you were, which is see, phased see, out. She's the type of girl you block on WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, Instagram, yeah, yeah. everything, all of them, the whole lot, every, everything, your iPhone. <laughs> Know, but you know what? Everything. I don't even block you. I just don't ignore. I just ignore you. Like I, I actually get a kick out of it if you keep messaging me and I don't answer you. Like hey, I blue, just blue blue on there and I like to see it. I like to see it. So I don't really block people. I just don't answer them. And if I don't recognize them the phone number, I won't answer the call just in case you call me from people numbers I don't know. <laughs> on on like, um, at the press conference, I remember you saying to uh, to to uh, to Jessica. I remember Jessica. If you was dating me, what's my mother's name? Tell me my yeah, mother's yeah. name, because if, yeah, if I was dating you, I'd introduce you to my mom. Yeah, of course, because that's kind of how I how I uh, oh. how I separate a girl when she's more serious. I'll I'll let her meet my mother. You know what I'm saying? Like she's not more serious, and it's kind of like whatever. You know, like or I'll at least bring my mother up in conversation. You know, which which never happened. But anyway, I didn't see her enough for that to happen. But whatever. 
once I had phased her out, somehow, I guess, you know, because she was all over social media, this chick. She was like, go social media groupie, you know, which I've had plenty of those too. But so, <laughs> I don't know, somehow she got in touch with AB and whatnot. And suddenly me and AB are going to fight. And so, I mean, it had literally been a couple of months since I had ever even spoken to her once, once I figured out everything was fake. And, I, and then all of a sudden, like, AB brings her up and I'm like, yo, this chick again? <laughs> yo, she don't go away, this girl, you know? Oh and God. so... When I, when I started talking, I think I made a mistake in the first press conference because when I started talking, I thought like I was making a, a joke out of it that people would laugh about, you know? Like, like it was more like, and then it kept coming up. And then instead, the media was like, oh, he, he answered this. Like, he responded to this, so it must be serious. So It's the best press sudden, conference. It really is. It's the best press conference I've seen for years. Is. You know what? I look back on it. We, we, the trash talking me and AB had was like different level. It was like next level. You know what when I'm saying? Like it was, to, when you said to him, you said the second that. Even the second press conference. I mean, there is no one that cannot talk me in AB. Like that, I, I really am convinced that's another reason why Conor McGregor never fought me. I would abuse him. I would abuse him. He's such a shitty trash talk. I would abuse him. You cannot match wits with me when it comes to trash talking. AB was close though. AB was good. But in the end, I even think I won those trash talking battles too in the press conferences. You know, like there is no one that cannot talk. You said to Adrian Broner as well, we'll quickly get to that, but when you said to Adrian Broner in that press conference, even Richard Schaefer was, la was trying not to laugh. I saw his face. He was trying not to laugh because you said, you said to Adrian, whoever, who saw him when Adrian Broner arrived here an hour early and pretended he was late? I was dying yeah. with laughter, and then he started with the Floyd stutter, and then you just abused him, and that was just... He didn't yeah, know what to say. He didn't know what to say. I was on the way to that. Because remember, the, the second press conference was in New York because it was fight week. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember. remember I was driving on the way to Barclays Center, and they, they, my friends were already there, so they called me. They were like, yo, AB's outside, AB's here, you know? So I was yeah. like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm stuck in a little bit of traffic. I'll get there, I'll get there soon, you know? Yeah, and I yeah. got there, all of a sudden, this guy's not there. Like, and he didn't show up till late. So obviously, I called him out on it because they, uh, they had seen him like an hour prior. He was already there, you know? Yeah, you told him. But let's, let's move on to the, to the Conor McGregor situation because I, I got to, I'm not going to air the guy's name, but you know who I'm talking about. He was there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna say in the middle of them, but he was there when you sparred McGregor. I didn't take out egging on the McGregor fans because really, I mean, if, if if you believe six seconds of video, then you have to want to believe that. Yeah, you have to you have to want to see the rest of the video. You know, like you have to also think about wow, it's only six seconds. Like, like I I get a kick out of irking him. Like the guy's a bomb. The guy can't fight for shit. Look at him. They've had to find him a half dead guy in MMA. In MMA. <laughs> <laughs> This guy gets his ass kicked by everybody. Sam, come on, you know I'm not kidding. Come on, you know I'm I, I'm I'm not even trying to abuse him. I'm I'm not playing that serious. Like I, I this guy gets his ass kicked by everybody. He fights, abuses the shit out of him. They had to go find him a half dead guy. The poor guy was just looking. To, was already one foot out of the MMA world. He, you know, and don't get me wrong. What was his name? Uh, Sarone. Sarone. You know, he gave some good battles in his day, but he had one foot out the door already. You know what I mean? He, you know, you know, like when you're old, you have one foot in the grave and one foot you, you're still alive. Like, Sarone's MMA career was basically one foot in the grave already. Like, let's just figure out a way to get a win. Then what is it with this guy? Anything he did, show the thing he did in the fight. Like, oh my God, that was, what do you mean that was? Miguel Cotto was doing that to me in 2006, that shoulder shit. When, when that, boxers do that all the time. I was when, like, you what was, you? <laughs> when you was at that, because I was there. When you well, was the guy's a bull. Flat bum and people are like, oh, you're embarrassed that he that he knocked you down. He didn't knock shit down. He Look at the video. He didn't, he didn't knock shit down. Number two, he didn't embarrass me. You you should be embarrassed for thinking that there anything else happened besides him getting his ass kicked. Because he promised you the video. He didn't promise me the video. I I saw it myself. I beat his ass. He promised you the video. So if you didn't get, you didn't get the video. You know you kind of got a figure. You got played. 
But he was he was smart. I will say this. He was smart in being able to sell the the the, the fight. Yeah, so he, again, a market in good market. Hundred percent, he was smart. But then he was also smart enough to kind of downplay it after that, and and never show the full video. He was smart enough to do that because think about it. If you want to sell the 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 fight, you show this little clip and and spin it in a way where you can try to make it look like a half a knockdown. No, we've got these wasn't idiots. We've got these idiots here that saying on the comments, Connor knocked you out. Listen, I spoke. To, listen, let me let me respond to. I spoke here to the. I'm not going to say who he was because he's a no name in boxing, but he was there. He didn't knock him over, knock him over. Paulie, Paulie, you arrived there, didn't you? was out of shape. You arrived there, and you were just playing. For <laughs> Don't them. them. I saw, it's so, I, that's, what I, that's why I love getting under these guys' skin, because they don't, they know, you know what it is? They wish so badly that they could see the full video, and they could be right. But, so, you're not going <laughs> to, you're going to be wrong when you get the full video. So, they want so badly. So, all they have is six seconds. So they want to tell me, like, oh, those six seconds, he fucked you up. Bro, it's six seconds. I beat the shit out of your mans. He's a bum. They still have to get, they still have to get half dead guys for this guy to win a fight. Can you imagine the, the promotion they're giving now? And what about him? They had to find a half dead guy just to put him back on the conversation with Khabib. This is classic combat sports promoting, Sam. You know this better than anybody else. So you have a guy who sells a lot. He's got a fan base of retards. Same basically, if you're a fuck Conor McGregor fan at this point, knowing what a bum he is, you're, you're more you're borderline retarded probably. But but on the on nonetheless, nonetheless, you figure you get him a win against a guy he can't lose to, like get him a, a dead guy, and then we'll market it like it's the biggest win ever, you know. So that's what they did. They got him yeah. a dead guy, and they market it like. And once we market it like it's the biggest thing ever, now we got a guy who sells now, and he's got the momentum back. Regardless that he beat the guy who sells you the who sells you the beer at the corner store, it doesn't matter. He got a win. Nonetheless, <laughs> so once you get a marketing, now you start naming him with big names like Khabib, like Mas Vidal, and all these other guys. So all of a sudden, you know, you get the, you get the you get things cooking again, and that's promotion and that's promotion 101. That's promoting 101. You're getting you're getting you're playing the fans for suckers because but Connor himself, of course, that guy's in denial. He he lives in denial. You know, he thinks it's all about believing in himself. No, but you're a bum. You're a bum. You you played everybody. You're a bum. Khabib sunned you. We watched it. You couldn't edit that video. You got sunned. And, and he talks about Khabib like as if he didn't get sunned. That's the best part. Like He talks about Khabib like Khabib didn't sun him in front of the whole world. If I could watch, right, Jerry, because Paulie, I wanted you to retire, yeah? This is my personal. But I wanted you to retire before the Eggington fight, yeah? Because no disrespect to Sam Eggington, that fight six years ago, you would have destroyed... <laughs> be honest you know at a certain time at a certain point the passion for the sport kind of had left me you know like it, yeah. when you have a passion for something it burns in you you don't mind training you don't mind making weight you don't mind yeah. like even in there it's suffering every single day to get in shape and doing the best you can be but probably the last couple of years of my career i probably lost that passion so it was it just felt like a job but nonetheless it, it credit the sam for coming in there and doing the job i don't i don't, I don't if, knock it you know no of course i know you, you wouldn't do that because that you're a tough sport if there was one fight, though, in the world I wanted to see, even now, I would say, poorly, take the fight, is Conor McGregor. <laughs> he's not going to do it, Sam, again. That's what everybody understands. You see what he's doing. This, you know what the best part is? MMA fans tried to say, like, oh, he's got bigger fish to fry. What did he do? He just fought the fucking guy from the corner store. What do you mean he got bigger fish to fry? You're going to tell me that fight against that guy would have paid, paid him more money than what he made against me? Then, of course, Conor has to lie. He made like he made $80 million. But you're lucky if you made $8 million that fight. It, would be, it would be the best, best build-up. It would be, because, you know, when Floyd, I was around, I was lucky enough to be around the Floyd build-up. So, obviously, I got Savannah on the undercard of the, of the, of the, of the show. But, 
the promotion with him was kind of kind of pantomime. It was kind of pantomime, but it was funny. It was pantomime, but it was sold well. It was great. Yeah, you against, yeah. You against Connor would be real. It would be real. Oh, it would be real because I generally dislike him. I, I can never get tired of beating a guy like that up. Like, if yeah. you let me, you tell me, you know what? We're going to box every day with Conor McGregor. Like, I, that's actually, like, nice for me. Like, I, I, beating yeah. the fuck, you never, get, you never get tired of beating the fuck out of a guy like that. It's like, it's like pleasure. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It, it's like, it's like a pleasurable thing to do. If, if you could just beat the fuck out of a guy like that on a regular basis, like, you're in a better mood, honestly. You're in a better, like, like, like if you let me beat the fuck out of that guy every day, like, I'm in a better mood, to be honest. Like, he's that online. <laughs> So for me, in a promotion like that, of course, like first of all, I would abuse him. I abuse him in the sparring. That's another reason you're not gonna see the the fight. I abused the shit out of him. We were trash talking while we were sparring. I abused the fuck out of him. Dana White was watching. I was abusing Dana. There's there's so many reasons that you never saw that video. It's an abuse case. The entire the entire sparring is an abuse case. We need to we need to we need to pull that out. Paulie, let's go into the subject. I don't blame him. I I, I can't blame. Him. The, the truth be told, I don't blame. Him. I don't blame him because he's got he's got he's got everybody fooled with six seconds. I don't blame him. But like I said, that's why I love to I love to you know push push the envelope because really, what is he gonna do? Show the video? No, you know because the video is no good for him. So what is he gonna do? do you, what is he gonna What is he gonna fight me? No, because if he fights me, he knows he's gonna get his ass kicked. So what is he gonna do? He's not gonna do anything about it. So I'm gonna keep calling his bluff. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep pulling his card. I and still, let think, the I still think the fight could happen because if it ain't, we know in combat sport, right? If it makes no, money, no, it makes sense. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to smoke me out because he's seven. He's almost eight years younger than me. So I'll tell you what he's trying to do. He's trying to smoke me out. I already told myself, no matter what kind of fight it is, once I hit 40 years old, I'm not fighting anymore. I don't care what the offer is. I don't care what anything is. Once I hit 40 years old, I'm moving on. I'm 39. I'll be 40 yeah. at the end of this year. So regardless, you're not going to buy me into that fight. Okay? Are the money's nice? Yes, of course. But if I pass 40 years old, you cannot buy me into that fight anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've, you've, made, even, you've made money. You've made money in the Caribbean. I'm, I'm, I'm not broke for money. Of course, the money for Conor McGregor would be nice. And you know what? I'm so confident I'd win that I, I told him I'd do a winner takes all fight. I would have. I would have done a winner takes all fight where the loser goes home with no money. I would have done that. That's that's how confident I was to, to beat him. And that's and I, and to me that that would be fair, honestly. In, in, he's a, so in, in a stand up, he gives the illusion that he's confident that he beat me up. He's he's definitely not confident that he beat me up, but he gives the illusion. So now he, I like to call his bluff and, and offer him the winner-takes-all fight. It's more money than, than the Saron fight, right? Unless yeah. you think he would fight for free, which he knows he would fight for free if he fought. If we fought the winner-takes-all, he knows he'd be fighting for free. So, therefore, he'd rather fight Donald Saron. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who nobody cared about. But nonetheless, you, it, regardless of what the offer is, once I hit 40 years old, I don't need that. I don't need that anymore. I, I, I told myself I'm not fighting past 40 years old. I feel older. I feel like I'm settling into retirement more and more, even mentally, even from a mental standpoint. I'm... I'm a bit different. I'm a bit more laid back, you know. So, so once I hit 40 years old, that fight's not gonna happen anyway. No matter what you offer me, I'm not. I'm moving on with my career. You know what I'm saying? Um, not that I wasn't moved on already, because you know, Sam, I, I retired in 2017. But I'll always keep my ears open until I'm 40. You know what I'm saying? But once I hit 40, I don't want to hear about any fights. I don't care what the offer is or anything, because it's just not worth it to me to keep fighting after 40 years old. To keep training, go to a training camp. Because honestly, the McGregor fight, the training camp would be harder than the fight. I'm not yeah. joking. Like the training camp would be the just making weight, just making weight, making weight would be difficult. Uh, sparring uh, day in day out would be difficult. Like cause yeah. I'd actually spar guys that know how to fight. Not like Connor had in camp. Connor had me in camp, and then he had uh, a couple. He had uh, Deshaun Johnson, who was a solid boxing journeyman, and then he literally had like nobody worth anything. You know what I'm saying? That was gonna that was gonna actually make him any better. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Artem Hunter, tough. He had some amateur kid who was 
was who I think was giving him blowjobs on the side because he was up his ass every second. He wasn't actually doing any boxing. They, then they'd be boxing and they were playing patty cake. They weren't even really boxing. They were like, he'd be boxing and playing patty cake. So he had that kid in sparring. He had this, that, that amateur kid I'm telling you about. Then he had some other MMA guy who couldn't fight work shit. Like, like the, the, the training camp was a zoo. So me, me, if I'm training for a fight, I have a legitimate training camp. So it's a good institute. You know, you know where you spot. It's a good facility, isn't it? Very good facility. Oh, the UFC performance institute. Yes, it is. Yeah. But what I'm saying, my my training camp would would be would consist of hard sparring, hard things. So like, I don't want to go through that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm I want I will go through it now. But at 40 years old, I'm I'm done trying to even think about that. Regardless, yeah, yeah. You've had enough of it. I, I I I don't. I'm not hungry for the money. It's money's always nice. There's no such thing as extra money. But I also have enough money to when to say where when I, once I'm 40 years old, I don't need to take that kind of fight. No matter what you offer me, I'm good with money regardless. Even yeah. with the pandemic, I'm good to be honest. And I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones. Even with the pandemic, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, flipping it. Well, let's let's move on on a subject that I know we kind of have similar opinions on, but I don't mm. want to incriminate ourselves on this on this chat. Mm. Manny Pacquiao, yeah, who is a eight division world champion, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Yeah, I know we've, we've you've said it in the past, but do you think at the peak of his at the peak of his career, he was he was there was some foul play going on? Yeah, I've always uh, asserted that, and I and I you know I just think that here's the thing. I'll, I'll give it to you the, the best way I can. Okay, I started boxing. I, I remember the first day I started boxing in the gym. The reason I remember it is because it was two days before the bite fight, and so the bite fight is Tyson versus Holyfield. It was June 28, ninety seven. Yeah, I remember the first day in the gym because I started boxing that week. My first day in the gym where they come in the gym and they talk, teach you how to jab properly and do all that other stuff properly. Like literally my first lesson was June 26, 1997. So two days before um, the, the, the bite fight. So I never forgot the day I started boxing. Um, by that point, Pacquiao was already almost on the verge of winning his first world title. He was a professional boxer, which means he had had his amateur career and all this other stuff. He's a professional boxer. I think by the time I, I fought my first amateur fight, almost a year later, I think he was already a world champion the first time. So I started boxing. Manny Pacquiao was already a world champion. I started boxing. I fought, I fought my amateur career. I learned to box. I fought my entire amateur career. You know, learned, came up the ladder, turned professional, came up and down and up and down the ladder in the professional boxing world as well. Had a 16-year boxing career in the professional ranks and then retired like a normal human being. You know, I went through the whole process. <laughs> I went through the entire process. Manny Pacquiao, when I started it, was a world champion. Manny Pacquiao, when I ended it, was a world champion. Manny Pacquiao today is a world champion. Are we, are we, are, are we living in fairy tales? Are we... Does this guy not age? Five aging, aging is you. Aging is you. Does this guy not age? Is he, oh, I mean, I don't understand. Like, does he not age? So... So I actually was a young man, a teenager. I was maturing into my man body. I was still not even a man yet. I was a teenager. I matured. I, I grew into my man body. I grew up. I fought professionally. I eventually passed my prime, and I ended, and I was done. And this guy is still on a championship level. So what, does he not age? Because he was already older than me as it is. And not to mention, tough fights age you more. Do they not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was in some wars. He's been in some wars, Marquez. Even if they weren't wars, he's he's had twice the amount of professional boxing matches I had. Yeah. Almost twice. He's all, he's got almost so he's got two times the amount of fights, which also ages you, which also, you know, because he was never a defensive specialist. Listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't make or break me. I only answer these questions when I'm asked about it because really 
I do realize that the fans of boxing, the medium boxing, love this shit. They love guys being on steroids. They pretend to look the other way, actually. You know, now you you got guys talking about, you know, no weight classes at all. Like, you got guys, like, jumping constantly weight classes. So, for me, for me, I, I don't need to really argue it because I'm not part of the sport anymore. You know, I used to leave me bitter because I'm a guy who's not doing this stuff, and I'm noticing a lot of guys are doing this stuff, and it's very obvious, so I'm, I get kind of left behind. But once I'm not – once I'm I'm not involved – Hey man, if you guys want to all kill yourselves, you know, go ahead. <laughs> what, like, what percentage, what percentage of fighters today, Paulie, do you think, I mean, do you know what, what, what irritated me the other day? Wada announced, um, and UCAD both announced that, I don't know whether you saw this, Paulie, they announced that while this pandemic's going on, they announced, I've got no problem with them stopping the testing, but they announced but not, it to the world. That they were going, yeah. That's like a free cycle of steroids, of course. Yeah. Literally. Here's, basically the letting, here's the pin. Go and stick it in your ass cheek and crack yeah. on. That's basically letting everybody know, hey, listen, go for it right now. Because, listen, like I said, I, I used to make me bitter. But I, used to, I used to be passionate about the sport. You know, like I, now I more so look at it like, listen, I always have a little bit of passion about it. But I look at it more like, hey, listen, I did what I did. You happy? You happy? If you're not happy, you're not happy. I'm not really looking for anyone's approval. I honestly just look at it like at one time I was looking for approval. I was looking to be uh, looked at as one of the best fighters, all this other stuff. Honestly, once I realized that you had to kind of do steroids to kind of get to certain levels, I was, you know what? Forget about people's approval. Just make sure you get in this sport in one piece. You get out of it the way, say, the same way you came in, in one piece, you know, and uh, with a little bit more money. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to have achieved that. So I, I, uh, I don't really – I kind of look at it like it, it was a good job. It was an interesting job I had, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't look at it from a perspective of, oh, man, you know, I would dream to fight this guy. Like, sometimes people ask me, like, who would you fight in your, if you would love to fight anybody in history? I don't care. I don't have that. I don't have that, like, burning desire anymore. You know, I don't, I don't think about boxing like that anymore. Because, and mainly because they turned me off on it this way, you know? Like, Holy they were talking about today. I got a message this morning earlier about jo uh, Terrence Crawford and, and Jamel Charlo. They're, they're arguing and they're going to fight or something. Didn't the Terrence Crawford turn pro a lightweight? Like, you know, the, the, again, the, uh, the weight classes matter for nobody anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, it's like, what am I arguing this point about? If you don't want to believe it, then don't believe it. Cause, and that's why I'm wasting my time arguing anyway. But of course, you brought it up, Sam, so I, I'm having the discussion with you. But this is why I don't blame me. Anyone why, has this problem, blame me. Anyone's thought, blame me. <laughs> No, no, but this is why I don't, I don't discuss it on my own terms anymore. Wait, because really, I, used like, bring, I used to want to change the sport, Sam. I used to think like, ah, I gotta bring this up. I have to change the sport. Yeah. I have to, I have to save this thing. You know, it's it's turning into something terrible. It's, it's an important subject. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants that. You know. So once, even, and I'm talking about media. I'm talking about fans. Then when guys die, they'll they'll make like they care for a couple of days, and they'll go back to normal. You know. So, so in reality, you know, I'm I'm done with the sports. So it's not it's not a risk to me. You know what I mean? I'm I'm done fighting, so it's not a risk to me. So I'm I'm uh if you if, if they all gonna if they all want to do it and they, if they're all gonna do it, then fine, go ahead and do it. As far as the percentage of guys doing it, I think a high percentage do it, and I also think probably guys that don't want to do it are doing it because they they realize what they're up against. If they if they don't do it, then they're they they get left behind. So I, I do think that it's gotten worse. Okay, on a lighter subject, Paulie, I read well, I, I heard a few what was it was years ago. How close were you to getting the Floyd Mayweather fight? I was close a couple of times. Um, when I beat Juan Diaz in Chicago in the rematch in 2009, um, I remember uh, Lou DiBella, who was promoting me at the time, 
I remember around Christmas time was fielding calls from both sides and neither side knew what I'm saying. Both sides is top rank was calling about the Pacquiao fight. And Al Heyman was calling about the Mayweather fight after I beat Juan Diaz in, in the main 2009 main event. Um, in the end, um, none of them worked out in the end. Uh, uh, Shane Mosley got the Mayweather fight and Joshua Clotty got the, got the, got Pacquiao, the Pacquiao fight. fight. Uh, because I think Frank had just signed Joshua Clotty. Um, it was probably better for me not to fight Pacquiao at that time because I think that was the heyday of him doing steroids. I mean, I think that was I mean, that was that was like the, the top of the Because I remember yeah. when he battled, when, I was gonna say I won't go into it, but I remember when he battled Margarita. He's a punching machine. He stopped punching. He just it was like it was, it was like a volcano. Uh, the, the guy could have fought twenty rounds. It was crazy. He was, eating, he was eating shots from a from from a margarita and taking shots, eating. And taking shots that. Not only weren't knocking him out, but they weren't even fatiguing him because a shot may not knock you out, but it does fatigue you if you take too many of them. You know, he was and, clapping. Uh, he was clapping in the ring when Margarita, a big, strong, big, so, strong. Yeah. So basically, the bottom line was uh, Christmas 2009. We were fielding calls from both sides, and neither side knew that we were actually getting calls from the other side as well. You know, so we were actually fielding calls from both the Mayweather fight and the Pacquiao fight. Uh, I had just finished the year on a high winning the Juan Diaz rematch. And the Juan Diaz rivalry had become a big deal in boxing because, you know, we had had two fights. So it kind of played a big storyline. Just, just tell final... everyone about what happened in Texas, but just we, we missed that point. And that was a fight I watched. Kind of always had a controversial way about scoring fights. And, of course, I had to fight Juan Diaz in Texas because I was always constantly the designated B-side. And uh, Juan was a good fighter. Juan is it's actually a win I don't get a lot of credit for, but Juan was actually a, a unified lightweight world champion. He was a strong um, guy, strongest. But one of the new boxing fans don't know that because one of the new boxing fans didn't hear of Juan Diaz. Juan Diaz was a, was a, a, a unified world lightweight champion uh, yeah. who had knocked off a lot of guys and uh, was probably looked at as a guy who was going to knock me off too. And in the first fight, I thought I did enough to win the fight, as did most people. But uh, everybody, 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 um, everybody squirt. Uh, uh, Max Kellerman. Yeah, yeah, they ended up edging one in the fight. Uh, so I kind of went crazy in the uh, in the post fight interview. Uh, it's an interview that I've kind of become known for, and uh, I ended up getting a rematch later in the year in Chicago. And in the, in the year and the end of the year in Chicago, in a more neutral city, uh, I ended up beating. Him. So I was coming off of basically what was supposed to be back to back wins over a former lightweight unified champion. So I was running on a pretty good high at that moment, you know. So yeah. So that's why we were getting we were starting to feel calls from the Pacquiao camp and the, and the Mayweather camp, you know. Listen, things work out sometimes, and sometimes they don't work out. I don't look back at it with any kind of bitterness. You know, I, I, I had an up-and-down career, and I had a lot of experiences. And, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to get the one of those fights. But nonetheless, I, I do think that, you know, I, maybe, you know, things happen differently if I get one of those fights at that moment. At that moment, maybe it was the time for me, you know. And, and so I, I, I can only look back on my career now and say, you know, I came out one piece. I came out good. And so that's all I can be happy for. I'm, I'm financially okay. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have Mayweather or Pacquiao money, but at the same time, I also, like I said, I'm okay in this pandemic. I'm not worried. I'm good. I have enough money saved and I live, I live a good life. And I'm more, it's more importantly, I'm healthy. I'm healthy. And that's, uh, that's what really the, where the blessing comes in. That, in that's career. that's why I think it's important. As I say, mm -hmm. it's important people like you stay in boxing because you can give a good advice to, to, to fighters. That's why I said, during when Guido turned pro, I said, I wanted you to like, to, to almost come on board because uh, because you know about it's, it's it's almost common sense but like in boxing this is my main thing with boxing this is why this is this is this is my my opinion it's world titles is what everybody's in boxing for but as i say like they don't the world titles won't won't pay your mortgage for it won't pay your mortgage forever they won't make it's, it's about getting in making money 
creating a legacy and getting out healthy. That's the main point. That's the main, the main, the main point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting in and getting out is the main point in any kind of combat, really. You know, I think that's a, uh, that's uh, um, I, I think when you get older, though, it becomes more important to you. You know, I think when you're young, you're willing to go through everybody. Um, you want to go through everybody and, and, and in order to achieve your goals. But when you're, you're older, you begin to realize, man, you know, this is very dangerous. You don't think about the dangers when you're young. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a funny situation. You know, you don't think about that. But, but then when you get older, you do. I'm seeing these Conor McGregor fans still on these comments. Listen, yeah. I whoop your guy's ass. Yeah, you understand yeah, yeah. me, guys? I beat the fuck out of your bum ass fight up. <laughs> you didn't see the video for any reason. I don't want to see the video. Despite it, the laugh is on you because he didn't release the video. The laugh is on you. <laughs> bum ass fans. He's a bum ass fighter. Gets his ass kicked by everybody. They gotta find him. <laughs> he go get a win a couple months ago. He's a fucking bum. Listen. Remember, and he's going to get his ass kicked again. Remember that. He's going to stay getting his ass kicked because that's what frauds do. They stay getting their ass kicked. Remember that. He's, he's a bum. I have consistency on my side. I won two world titles. Consistency on my side. I was in, I was in a prime of boxing for 10 years. I fought among the best in the world in boxing for 10 years. You remember, remember that. This guy was a flash in the pan because he fooled all of you. You're a bunch of bum fans who cheer on a bum fighter. Remember that. Yeah. Remember that. You're never going to see the video because he got his ass kicked in the video. Nobody got embarrassed except him. You understand me? That's why he did what he did and put up together a highlight for you guys. Because he knew you'd be stupid enough to buy into it. You're talking about a bum MMA fighter. Not just a bum fighter. A bum MMA fighter. He's not even among the best in MMA. He just talks like he is. He's like a wrestling character. Paulie, Paulie has said earlier in this video that he's 39 years old. He will never box or come back in any combat sport over 40 years old. Make the fight happen. This will be the best well, press conference you've ever seen. Because now they have the COVID going on. So they, now, now they're really up against the clock. You know? Yeah, yeah, they're really up against the clock. When are you 40, Paulie? I'll be 40 on November 23rd. Oh, we've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. This virus box right off. We've got plenty of time to make this flipping press conference. I'm going to promote it and it's going to be the biggest fight ever. <laughs> oh no great stuff no great stuff no look Paul, I don't want to keep you too long but like it's always great like talking yeah, to you but obviously keep it it ain't like I was going anywhere right now, you know it ain't like anybody's going anywhere right now so, yeah. so I, thought, I thought when I asked you to do this with me I thought you can't say no because what the fuck else is there to do yeah yeah no, it's all good it's all, it's all fun and you know what I, can't, I talked about the haters I, big shout out to all the fans I see a lot of positive comments on there too big shout out to you guys man you guys are no, great there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people there's a lot of people that support you Paulie. but on a personal day I was always a fan of him just saying this you know this from, from, from years ago when I met you before I've always been a big fan of yours and that you've um, you've got a great career and as I say best analyst in boxing for me personally Always says it how. Always says it how it is, and look, we'll we'll catch up soon when this virus has gone. Yeah. If you know, but like, I still feel the one that I still feel I won the bare knuckle fight. I just you break your hand. Oh, you know how it is. You say yeah. you know you, you know this better than me, Sam. You you break your hand, you cannot get into exchanges because a one-handed fighter cannot exchange with a two-handed fighter. You may so maybe, boxing maybe, match. maybe I was, maybe I was planning to be a bit more aggressive until I broke my hand. I probably was, and I, you see the first two rounds, I was a bit more aggressive. But once I broke my hand, I had to kind of adjust the game plan and kind of pick him off. You know, so how do you pick a guy off? You kind of lead him in and pick him off. Lead him in and pick him off. You know, he and put so, him in one headlock. I watched the fight. He put you in one headlock, hit you once, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all he did. Even the stumbles that I had, I tripped over his foot. He's a southpaw, so his lead foot is in the way. A couple of times I tripped over his lead foot as I was getting out of the way. And I, I think maybe that was uh, the judges wanting me to lose the fight, so they just figured out an excuse to just give him rounds. They didn't want but, a big mouth boxer. They didn't want a big mouth boxer to beat that. To beat. To beat that. They didn't. There was the hillbillies. It's a hillbilly. It's a hillbilly. What, what, what gets lost in that? What gets lost in that? Forget about the decision. What gets lost in that is you realize the stupidity of MMA fans. You really realize this. That fight in itself proves the stupidity of MMA fans, and I'll tell you why. Because all they're looking for is a an exchange. They're looking for a war. They cannot. They could once I. Once I, um, once I broke my hand and I had to fight in a, in a real technical way, they wound up they wound up not being able to understand what was happening. They wanted they, 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 they into a boxing match. It's like it's like it's like you bring in a retard and you teach him algebra. He's not gonna know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like you can't do that. So like basically that's what it became. You know, like I, my level of the way I was fighting <laughs> was so high level, but I was doing it in front of retards, so they didn't know what they were watching anymore because uh... they they. For an exchange, and I wasn't giving them an exchange. So all of a sudden, it became a problem. They were like, "Oh, yo, he's running. He's not doing anything." They couldn't figure out that I was actually winning the fight in an intelligent way with one hand. Um, so, you know, it, it was. A, I don't think it was a shame because I, you know, we, we should we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, make fun of people that are not as intelligent as us. But, but nonetheless, uh, I do think it got lost in the whole translation because then the problem was too. Nobody in boxing covered the fight, so all their all their websites covered the fight. So they all took the chance to shit on me because again. You know, it's 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 a retarded fan base, so the retarded we have a retarded media section too. So it kind of was all together. It was like a, a cult following, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, it was. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, though, the experience itself was not bad. I'll tell you that, Tim. One thing I'll tell you that is it paid well. But besides that, dude, you know, a five round fight for two minutes each round, it's not bad at all. You know, do you understand that after this, after this, I was saying, man, I was like, I would do this again. I would do this again. You know, I would actually like do this again if I had hands. Like if you got, if you got, if you got the, if you got the nod poorly, which is what again, if anybody no, wants to fight, I'm not. Not, I don't know now because I, I look back at the damage my hands had because my hands had more damage than I initially thought. You know what I'm you saying? Had, so you had, a, you had a, your hand was still in the question. You remember, you remember when, you when, when, when we yeah. saw each other in Manchester in that in Altingham after the ultimate fight because I had Florian Mark on the card and we was going there we was, we was eating kebabs yeah. and pizzas yeah, yeah, yeah. and pizzas yeah. and shit your, your hand I was like Paulie the fight was ages ago your five hands still in a fucking cast yeah because it was uh, six weeks yeah you have to stay in a cast for six weeks you know so you, the, the cast can't it sucks I tell you it sucks to be in a cast in the summer because it's so hot too but yeah so the, the cast I had to stay in it for six weeks but in reality you know I, I wasn't even sore the day after the fight it was not a physical fight it was not a difficult fight, um, and I was able to kind of control the pace of it. So it was like a breeze, the, the 10 minutes breeze right by, you know, and I was like, wow, I'm getting paid more than I got paid for a lot of boxing matches yeah. for this 10-minute breeze, you know. So, so yeah, okay, so I, I came up short of the decision uh, in a fight that I probably won, and that probably had to do more with politics than anything else. And, of course, me breaking my hand, I was not able to be as aggressive, but – you know, you credit the opponent. Artem fought very hard. He, he went at it, and um, you know he, he he can't. You know, Artem's gonna always fight you with all heart. He's not the most the technical guy. So Come Artem forward. came and he fought with as much heart as he could, and so he gets credit for that. And he and he tried to make the fight, make it a fight out of it. Do I think he was able to make more of a fight out of it because I was one-handed? Absolutely. Because in the end, in the end, I had to fight him more technically, which was a which was a, something that. And fighting, fighting in front of a bunch of retards, they weren't going to understand. <laughs> and myself, honestly, I, I couldn't get the most out of myself either. But nonetheless, I would say this. If I had better hands, I could probably do that 
I'll probably do that, you know, until I was 40. Until, like I said, after I'm 40, I don't want to fight at all anymore. But I, I, I would have probably done maybe two, three more of those fights because 10 minutes breezes by. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Too many, I mean, rounds, actually, too many rounds. Too many rounds. You can make that much money in 10 minutes. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. I couldn't believe that the fight it was over and I wasn't even breathing heavy. It was crazy. Nah, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But look, Paul, I've kept, I'm keeping, keeping you, keeping you long. But like, thanks for coming on with, with Speed. Well, I, always, I always have the best conversations with you. And thanks yeah, for your yeah, support. Yeah. I know you give, you give me personal support as well. And like, not many people do that. A lot of people think I'm just yeah, a man, I see you on the graft all the time, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got, you got all the fighters. You're always around. That's, I, I see what you're doing, man. I respect that. I, I love, I love guys that are go getters. People that are go-getters and motivated. And especially